What's up everybody? This is Pastor James and welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are in chapter 7 today and talking about how uh, we should be content with where we are when Christ calls us. Paul touched a little bit on that in the beginning of the chapter, but he talks a lot about it in this last half. And really there should be an understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Paul is directing the Corinthians on what that means. So let's read this together. Uh, got a lot of scripture today, and this might be a little bit longer than usual, so hopefully we can get this done pretty quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 20 through 40. Let's read it together. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in His mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. And those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about how his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can, can be devoted to the Lord and wholly in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiancée does well and the person who doesn't marry does even better. As a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I am giving you counsel from God's Spirit when I say this. All right, let's start breaking this thing down. Now, once again, we are still on this whole idea that Paul is calling people to remain as they were, um, when God called them to follow him. Now, being a Christian doesn't just give you a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it does hold you captive. It doesn't give you a license to sin, but grace and mercy are uh, never-ending. 
It doesn't necessarily make you free from the world, but it does enslave you to God. And Paul is trying to communicate this idea that, you know, your situations and circumstances are where the Lord has placed you, and we have a responsibility to be faithful to God in those situations and circumstances. Now, it doesn't mean that you should choose to stay in those things, but if you are held in those things, that we shouldn't fret and we should realize that we can serve God in anything, whether in slavery or in freedom, we can serve the Lord. Now, Paul is encouraging these people to represent Christ where they are until the Lord frees them. And he uses slavery as an example. Now, just because you get saved, and and Paul talks about this, it doesn't just mean that you you shouldn't be a slave anymore. Okay? I mean, if... Slave or uh, salvation frees us from the bondage of sin. So yes, it frees us from sin. It frees us from desires and things of the world. But you know, if you're in a culture and in a country where slavery is legal and you are someone else's property, you can't just claim to be a Christian and get out of it. And so Paul is saying as a Christian, you are called to serve God even as a slave. But now listen, if you have the ability to be free, take the take the freedom, run with it, you know, be free, but don't use Christianity as an excuse to get freedom. Take the opportunity if it comes, if the Lord provides the opportunity, take it, but don't run away and be a bad slave because you feel like you should be free that now that you are a slave. That's not what salvation is. And so Paul is really trying to ground people this Corinthian church on what true salvation is and and the calling on our lives in the situations and circumstances of our lives as we are saved. And so when Paul talks about how we shouldn't be enslaved by the world, I mean, there's a couple of things that go along with this. You know, there is a physical uh, slavery of the world, and then there's a spiritual uh, slavery of the world, and, and this has both meanings in it. So, especially in Jewish culture, you could make decisions. You could sell yourself into slavery for a certain amount of time. Um, you could sell your children into slavery. You can make bad financial decisions and end up as a slave. Now, you could do that in all cultures, but even in the Jewish culture during Paul's day. So, <clears throat> when you look at this, Paul's saying it's very important not to put yourself in a situation where you are placed underneath the control of someone else, whether whether as a slave or whether you're placed underneath the control of someone else by desiring things of the world, by becoming a slave to money or power or position or anything like that, you know, that we don't allow ourselves to be controlled by people of the world because we have an obligation to be obedient to Christ. And if we are controlled by another master, that will compromise our obedience and faithfulness to Christ. And so we have to be very careful of that. Now, if you have an owner and you are a slave, then you have to respect the law until you have the opportunity to be set free. If you are free, you must realize that even though you are free, you are still a slave to Christ. And this is huge. Because it's difficult to understand, especially as American Christians, like we have a really hard time with this, that 
to consider ourselves slaves of Jesus. Like he is our master and we should be obedient to him. And really out of, out of obligation and duty, we are called to serve him. And most American Christians don't live that way. We don't treat Jesus as a master. We treat Jesus as a, as an insurance plan. Like when all else fails, then we'll pray. You know, if we feel like we need to get some things straightened out, then we'll go to church. And this, that's a very common thing among American Christians. But it's very important for us to realize that we are forever bound to Jesus because of the price he paid for us. He died on the cross for our sins. We belong to Jesus Christ. He bought us with a high price. And while we have many freedoms in Christ, and while, while salvation does free us from sin and things of the world and, and addictions and all those things, we are still um, entering into a contract and obligation to serve Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's very important to remember. And when we die and we stand before God on Judgment Day, we will give an account and answer for how we serve God in our freedom. And so... Paul is, is communicating this message that it doesn't matter if you're free or if you're in bondage. It's a matter of the attitude of the heart and the mind in the situation that you're in. And Paul's trying to communicate that you cannot use slavery as an excuse to not to be able to do anything for Christ. Because a lot of people will say this, well, I can't do this for the Lord because I'm obligated to do this. You know, I can't serve God because my master won't let me, or I can't do this because blah, blah, blah. If people have things going on in their life, we make a lot of excuses as to why we can't serve the Lord. And Paul's saying, look, you can't use that as an excuse. And in fact, when you read scripture and you under and you live as a Christian long enough, you begin to realize that in fact, during the hard times, the difficult times, it's almost easier to serve the Lord during those times than it is during the good times or to serve God in freedom. Because what happens is is when we have freedom, then people tend to procrastinate. Well, we have freedom. I have the ability to go pursue things that I want to do. I can pursue my hopes or dreams or desires or goals and I can accomplish this and I can have this and I can work towards this. And in reality, we should be living for and serving Christ, whether we are enslaved or in our freedom. And so we can't let situations and circumstances be the deciding factor of how we serve Christ. We have to serve him whether we are in bondage or in freedom. So one of the biggest things that especially I see that um, American Christians do, and this is from youth ministry even into adult ministry, which I do now, is that a lot of people, because American people are generally free, um, most American people generally have a great ability to pursue things beyond what they have. So we can dream, we can hope, we can have goals and plans and, and expectations. And a lot of people, a lot of my young people, especially in youth ministry, always wanted to have this picture-perfect scenario where they were waiting on this amazing way to serve God or a way to be like, really big and impactful in the name of Jesus, when in reality, Jesus is just calling you to be faithful where you are. Um, 
the idea of looking forward to bigger and better things is is very much a worldly mindset. But Christ calls us to remain where we are. And this is what Paul is teaching. Remain as you were when Christ called you. Don't try to go beyond yourself. And it's not sinful that we do. It's not sinful that we go to college and try to get a better degree or try to make more money. It's not sinful to try to do better in anything. Really, it's just we can't let that consume us. And we can't let that be the reason why we don't serve Christ where we are in this moment in time. We are obligated to serve Christ in freedom and in bondage, and none of that is an excuse. So don't wait on anything. Don't wait on the perfect circumstances. Serve God now. No. Verses 25 to 28 are verses of simple wisdom from Paul. And once again, Paul openly states that he does not have a clear command from the Lord, uh, but what God has given him wisdom on, and he's giving out wise advice that can be trusted. And Paul states this once again. He's already said this at the beginning of the chapter, but he's repeating this. But it's according to what translation you read as to uh, who this is referring to. So older translations tend to lean more towards uh, males being the focal point as being the virgins and the ones that are unmarried. And uh, some newer translations tend to lean more towards the virgins being young women. But um. I'm pretty sure that when you look at the way that Paul addresses the church in Corinth, um, typically he is talking to the men and the women. And if you remember, uh, whenever we were talking about, uh, you know, the man's body does not belong to himself, but it belongs to his wife and how revolutionary that was. So Paul is very much uh, teaching to both men and women on how to conduct themselves. And, And this is very important. So, in this scenario, more than likely, he's probably speaking to both male and female that are virgins and unmarried, and he's giving advice to them. So, um, Paul says, once again, it's better to stay as you are. This is kind of the theme of chapter 7. If you're married, stay married. If you're not married, don't get married. However, if you choose to get married, it's not a sin. But remember, if you are married and you leave your spouse then that's sinful. So if you're married, stay married. If you're not married, it's better not to get married. And so Paul also talks about this current crisis, um, which the footnotes say are stresses stresses or pressures of life, which Paul is inferring to. And and living in this day and time was very difficult. I mean, you got to think during Paul and Jesus' day, you know, people didn't live very long. Uh, the mortality rate was very high. There were a lot of sicknesses and diseases. There weren't any really good medicines during this time. And it's even more difficult to live during this time as a Christian, especially in such a sinful culture that the Corinthian church was in. And to add on the pressures and stresses of marriage and to have to please your spouse and to help your children and, and living according to the laws of Christ inside that marriage is much more difficult than living according to the laws of your culture inside of marriage. And so Paul is saying, look, you know, being a Christian, in a lot of ways, it does bless us and and it comes with many great things. But being a Christian complicates life a little bit because you got to live life differently from everyone else around you. There's Jesus calls us out of the world to be different, to be holy, to be set apart. 
And so if you're a Christian, life gets a little more complicated. Well, if you're a married Christian, life gets even more complicated. And then when you have kids, it gets even more complicated. And so Paul is warning against these things. Now, to add on the pressures and stresses of marriage is something that Paul constantly advises against. He, he never says that it's sinful. And he says, hey, if you get married, it's fine. But if you do get married, you know, this is just going to bring problems. And, um, but he says, everybody basically has to choose for themselves what's right and what's wrong. And um, as Hannah and I continue to do premarital counseling with people, you know, we've been doing this for five years now. And uh, it's quite interesting as you sit down and you talk to these couples who are about to get married. And it's very evident that culture uh, seeps into a lot of people's lives and their relationships. uh, and, and And it affects their understanding of what marriage is or what it should be. Now, it's not necessarily this awful thing, but it happens. And we counsel a lot of couples that um, have been raised in church and have been saved for many years. But, you know, culture has a tendency to affect the way we think and how we deal with things and how we uh, manage things. And so as you are coming together as a couple and you're doing this together, you have to change and... and, uh, do things differently because you have to meet in the middle and agree on things. And marriage makes things very complicated where you are surviving just fine on your own with what you're doing as an adult. When you get married, all of a sudden, now you're having to to make all these decisions with another person. That complicates things. And the world has a tendency to have an impact on us even when we are followers of Christ. So we have to be aware of that. Now, it is important to remember that in all of this, Paul is not elevating marriage and he's not elevating singleness as one being more holy than the other. Okay, He is simply continuing to promote his teaching of wisdom that singleness is more simple and it's the easier way to serve God. And so this is kind of the common theme that Paul is preaching in this. So in verses 29 through 31, these verses are interesting because some people have tried to use this little section as ways to declare Paul to be a false prophet. Now, not Christians, but people outside the church try to discredit Paul because of what he says about how, you know, the time is short. But Paul is not wrong in this teaching. Um, And there's a lot of reasons why we're going to talk about that because Christ commanded his disciples to be ready imminently as the day and hour of his return was unknown. So Paul was teaching what Jesus taught. Paul was teaching what the disciples were teaching, that the return of Jesus, uh, as far as they knew, was very soon. It, It could be at any given moment in time. And as Jesus promoted this to his disciples, um, everyone in the early church believed that Jesus may return at any moment. So, now considering what Paul and them believed, and now we're 2,000 years later and Christ has yet to come, but when you look at Old Testament Scripture and you look at New Testament Scripture, um, thankfully, because of all those passages of Scripture, we have a little bit better of an understanding of 
of some of the prophecies and some of the things that have to happen before Christ's return uh, and all things are brought to an end. And so, for example, one of the things that must happen before Christ can return is that the gospel must be preached all over the world, okay? Um, this is one of those things that it, it, it has to happen before Jesus can return. I mean, it's talked about in scriptures. Now, there's a lot of other things that must happen that people debate over, and some people say, well, some of these things have happened. Others say they haven't. All those things are up for debate. Um, that's a different discussion for a different day. So if that's something that you would you're interested in, look that up. We're not going to talk about it on here today. But, uh, but because time is short, it is important that we not only focus on marriage or weeping or rejoicing or possessions, but it's important that we focus on serving Christ. This is the primary goal that Paul is trying to get people to do, to focus on serving Christ. Now, this is a little bit of my personal thinking and teaching that I believe God has kind of revealed to me over the years. And you're, this, you may find this interesting, but this is very true. Um, I'm only 38 years old. And some of you listening might say, oh man, 38 is ancient. You're so old. Now, while some of you might say I'm really old, we have many people in our church who would say 38 is young. And I would give anything to be 38 again. But my point is, is that time has flown by. I celebrated my 20th year high school reunion this year, and uh, it is just amazing at how fast those 20 years have gone by. And I never thought I would live to be 38. I mean, I thought I would die years ago. Um, but every day goes by so fast now, <clears throat> and you get to a point in life where you realize how fast time does fly. And even if Jesus never comes back in our lifetime, it's very important for us to realize how short life truly is. And the older you get, the faster time goes. I used to have people tell me that all the time, and I never understood that because it seemed like time drugged by so slow when I was younger. But now, dude, it seems like I wake up. And by the time I blink my eyes, it's time to go home and get ready for bed and do the whole thing all over again. Um, time goes by so fast. And it's really important for us to realize that our life is temporary. It is short. And God meant for it to be short. <clears throat> so as a kid or a young person might think, well, I got my whole life ahead of me. I don't want to waste it and blah, blah, blah. Or I want to do this, but... But the older you get and the more wise you get, the more you realize that time is short. And Paul encourages us to focus on serving Christ because before we know it, one day we're old. And one day we don't have the same abilities and the same energy and the same uh, desire to do things that we once did. So if we want to serve God, now is the time to serve Him. We can't put that off. We can't procrastinate serving the Lord. And um, our time's limited, and we have to make Christ a priority in our lives over everything. And this may not be the same understanding that Paul was trying to convey to uh, the people, but I really do believe it's the same principle, that time is short, and we don't have the luxury to waste it. We can't put it off. We need to do it now. Now, verses 32 to 35 talk about Paul's intentions in teaching these things. And his desire for these people's benefit. 
Um, He doesn't want them to be burdened down with worries. He wants them to focus on God. If you are married, you don't have to... uh, I'm sorry, if you're unmarried, you don't have to worry about all of your husbandly or fatherly responsibilities or wife or wifely duties or motherly duties, but you can focus on God. But if you are married, now your interests are divided. You have to take care of things because now you are obligated by God and commanded by God to treat your wife and your children a certain way. So, um, for me personally, now now Paul advised from wisdom that God has given him. So I'm going to advise you this the, today from the wisdom I feel like God has given me. <clears throat> it was more beneficial for me to get married. Now, if you know me personally, I've talked about this. I've been open about it. I've always struggled with um, purity, with with, with um, sexual desires, and so it was very important for me in that area to get married. Uh, for that reason, number one, but also um, I can understand what Paul is talking about because before I got married, I was able to focus on church and ministry and different things a lot more than what I am now. I was able to spend a lot more time with the with the kids in our youth group and do a lot more activities. But there's a catch to that. I was able to spend a lot more time with the guys in our youth group. Um, and while I was able to spend a lot more time with the guys in our youth group, uh, many times the girls were neglected because... Um, as a male, it was always inappropriate for me to spend time and do certain things with the girls in the youth group. So they got neglected a little bit in that. But once I got married, my ministry may have changed and I may not have been able to spend as much time doing activities or spending time with the guys, but my ministry became much more effective. So the, the quantity of my ministry was decreased a little bit. But the quality was increased significantly because once Hannah uh, became a part of my ministry, she was able to spend time and invest with and and text and and go to dinner with some of those girls that I couldn't do that with. And so now that we're not doing youth ministry anymore and now, you know, we're we're leading the church. Hannah is a huge part of my ministry, and I can't imagine doing premarital counseling with couples like I've talked about earlier with me being single and not being married. I would have no credibility to give advice or or to pour wisdom into these young couples if I was a 38-year-old single man who doesn't really know what it's like to be married and deal with those situations. So, for me being married, it has been much more beneficial for my ministry in the Lord. Now, do I have husbandly duties? Absolutely. Do I have fatherly duties? Absolutely. Do I have to take a little more time away from the church to focus on those things? Absolutely. But the quality of what my family is able to give to our church at Graham Chapel is so much better quality than what I could give as a single man. And I'm very thankful for that. So as Paul talks about these things in in wisdom, you know, I just want to encourage you guys, don't feel guilty or don't feel like you're 
you're pursuing something that's not as good by wanting to get married. For me, it was so much better to be married, and I knew that. I knew that from an early age that that it was going to be better for me to be married in ministry. It was going to make me a much more effective minister for the gospel to be married because of what it brings to the table. So, um, I can't imagine what ministry would be like right now if I was single. So I'm so thankful to be married, and for me personally, um, it was better. So um, in verse 35, Paul says, Look, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So that is Paul's desire. And so whether you get married or you stay single, Either one is fine, but just do whichever one is going to help you serve the Lord the best. For me, it was marriage. For Paul, it was singleness. So, there you go. Now, um, verses 36-38 is pretty interesting because even people who are engaged, Paul is saying that now's the time to decide what you truly want or need. And so, if you can control your passion, you do well not to marry. Uh, but if you can't, go ahead and get married, and you still do well. But Paul closes up this chapter by saying that marriage is set in stone until death do you part. And so if your spouse dies, you are allowed to remarry. But now you're obligated as a believer to marry someone who is also a believer. Don't marry an unbeliever now. But his opinion is still and always will be remain single. And you see this in a lot of the other epistles that Paul writes. So that's it for today. Um, Let's pray and I'll let you guys go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together, to read your word, to pray, and to just talk about things. And God, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. As you gave Paul wisdom to give advice on stuff, help us as believers to um, listen to that wisdom to apply it to our lives the best that we can, and Lord, to just seek your face and know what we need in order to better serve you. Jesus, we love you today and we thank you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. I hope to see you on campus, but if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. Have a great week.